Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. God is moving in power, right? We're seeing him move. And so with that in mind, I'd like you to turn with me to Acts chapter 5 as we continue our series from the book of Acts that we've entitled Power Today. Power Today. The title of the message is Signs, Wonders, and Salvation. Signs, Wonders, and Salvation. We're in a very unusual season of God's working. It's a season unlike I've ever seen in all of our time at James River. Last Sunday, Vision Sunday, was honestly a a very unique day, a historic day in many respects, a day where the Lord visited the church uh, online every campus in a very powerful way. 71 people came forward to make decisions for Christ. That's amazing. Several people were healed last Sunday and throughout the week. In fact, just to give you an idea, since the end of August, 1st of September, we have had 233 testimonies of healing. It's an amazing number of healing. And I know that that does not include Uh, all that's happening because there are many testimonies I personally know about that I never saw somebody write down. Uh, We're keeping a record as best we can. Last Sunday, there was a word about blood disorders. People stood at every campus and obviously it takes time to test that out and to see what's happening. But we did have one uh, lady who was healed of lupus. Has, her blood is totally clear. For the first time in years, everything totally normal when she went in to get tested. Another one who's battled anemia for years actually sent the blood panel workup totally normal, all down the line, hadn't been for years. God's touching people. Several people were healed in addition to that testimony. One man had a stroke that left him with severe leg pain. His wife writes this testimony. Last Sunday, my husband raised his hand for healing. He'd had a stroke two years ago and has had severe nerve pain in his left leg since. He has taken medication regularly to help with the debilitating pain he experiences. We prayed, and a man came and prayed with us as well. Pastor John encouraged everyone that the biggest mistake we can make is to say, God didn't heal me. It can happen instantly, it can happen hours later, or it can happen days later. On our three-hour drive back home from church, So don't complain about the traffic driving across town. I told my husband he was healed. Later this week, my husband started to tear up and told me he hasn't taken any medication all week. He doesn't have any more pain in his leg. He didn't want to say anything until he knew for sure he was healed. And now he wants to tell everyone what God has done. Isn't that awesome? Come on, let's bless the Lord. Here's another testimony. Kaysen, who attends the South Campus, said a few weeks ago, my grandma slipped on ice and broke her ankle. It was pretty bad. Her foot was completely backwards and the EMTs had to hold her bones in place in the ambulance. 
On Sunday, I felt like God wanted to heal her. She lives in Oklahoma, so my mom and I set up a time to go down there and pray for her. On Friday, we went down there. We visited with her for a little while. She was telling us about how awful her fall was and how none of her pain meds have been working. I asked her if we could pray for her and she happily accepted. We laid hands on her and prayed and she didn't feel anything happen. She said she didn't feel any pain right now but didn't really believe she was fully healed. I told her I came down because I really felt like God wanted to heal her. And I asked if we could pray again. I'm gonna tell you something over and over again, and I encourage people to do that. Ask people if they're better. If not, say, let's pray again, go again. I've done that down front when I came forward back in December, I didn't feel any different. I said, we're gonna need to do this over. (laughs) And the second time, I was instantly healed. I'm just saying, sometimes you gotta go again. So they prayed again, we laid hands on her again. She instantly began to weep after we prayed. She said she had no pain at all. I asked her to stand up. She was able to put all her weight on her foot with no pain. God healed her, praise God. That's exciting, isn't it? Well, to say the least, This is a unique time in the life of the church. And I think it's a very fair question to ask, what is God doing at James River Church? We've been praying for a revival that would sweep across Southwest Missouri, Southern Missouri. I'm praying for a revival that would go from Joplin to Cape Girardeau, from Springfield to Kansas City, Springfield to St. Louis, and everywhere in between. And I wanna suggest to you that I believe what we're seeing is now the beginning stages of that revival of God stirring in a unique way, in a powerful way, all of which makes Acts chapter five, so very relevant for us. Let's read it, Acts chapter five, verse 12. We'll bring it on the screen. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits. And all of them were healed. How many of them were healed? All of them were healed. Now, as we look at this, what I want to do is I want to just focus on three areas. So if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, you write these down and follow along as we think through what is this saying to us? What happened there? How does that apply to us? Number one, prayer answered. 
In order to understand what we read in Acts chapter 5, we have to go back to Acts chapter 4. Remember, in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John were arrested, and, and the religious leaders said, you can't talk about Jesus anymore. You can't talk about his name anymore. You can't walk around and do miracles in his name anymore. And because of that, what happened is they gathered the church together and they prayed. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 23, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. The, the leaders had told them, listen, it's not going to go well for you if you keep talking about Jesus. They knew that just months earlier they had killed Jesus had had him arrested, had brought him to Pilate, had encouraged the Romans to execute him. It's a big deal. Do they stand up for Jesus? And so they knew they needed something than their own enthusiasm. They needed something more than their own ability. So they began to pray, and when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Here's what they said. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with mega boldness. Help us so we can speak your word in a way that's powerful. That word boldness is the idea, it's parhesia in the Greek. It's the idea of, of without having to tiptoe. You know, sometimes when we're sharing Christ, it's like we're trying to be careful. They're saying, listen, we don't have to be careful. Help us to be able to just get right to the point to tell people, set your hand upon us in such a way that our words have such a power that we can tell people bluntly, we can tell people people directly. We can tell people with confidence about the living God and believe they'll be saved. The problem with a lot of believers is even if they will go to somebody, they're not confident. Even if they'll go to somebody, they don't have assurance. Even if they'll go to somebody, they don't have that kind of boldness that says, I'm going to lay it out and I'm going to believe that God is going to do the rest and that this person is going to come to know Jesus. They pray for boldness and stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. In Jesus' name, heal. It's very, very interesting. They're asking God for two things. They're asking for that supernatural boldness that will go to anyone, anywhere, anytime, and we'll talk to them about Jesus. Until you and I have that. Until you and I operate like that. Not once in a while, but regularly. There's a work God wants to do in our heart. And they were praying for power to heal the sick, to perform signs and wonders. How does God answer that prayer? What does God do? What is God's response to that? Verse 31, look at it, Acts 4. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They asked for wonders, they got one. 
And then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. What is the answer to our need for boldness? What is the answer to our need for power? It is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this, Acts chapter one, verse eight, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses everywhere you go. Power. Dunamis. We looked at that at the beginning. It can be translated mighty power, miraculous power, supernatural. You'll receive mighty power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll receive miraculous power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll receive supernatural power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Power. Power that overcomes what we perceive to be our personal weak. Oh, I'm an introvert, I can never talk. No, that's not what it says. As an introvert, you have power. As an extrovert, you have power. And everywhere in between, you got power. You're shy, you got power. You're not shy, you got power. Power, supernatural power, and what that power does, two times as you follow, and that word's used 10 times in the book of Acts, two times it speaks of people that are witnessing, eight times it has to do with miracles that took place. The key is power. The key to revival is power. The key to reaching the lost in this area is power. There's a lot of other things can be done, but nothing will replace supernatural, miraculous, miracle-working power. And that comes by being filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, they spent 10 days waiting on God. The apostles did. These are people who had spent three and a half years with Jesus. But they set aside 10 days. Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem. Don't do anything till you've been endued with power, till you've been, Luke 24, clothed with power, Acts 1, till you've been baptized by the Spirit, verse 5, till the Spirit's come upon you, 1-8. Wait, get that power. Wait on God, seek God. Let him empower you. They prayed continually for 10 days. If because they were devout Jews, we know that, and they were observant of Jewish custom, they're at the temple all the time. There were certain days in the week that were days of fasting. So we know, we know they did some fasting, but they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, all of them. Some of you have not yet experienced the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have concluded because you haven't experienced it, it's not for you, it's not gonna happen. It's, it's, or you've concluded, well, I already have it. When there's not a boldness about your life and there's not a supernatural power that characterizes your life. My question is on what basis are you saying you have it? I'm not trying to be unkind, I'm just saying, we all wanna make sure we got the real thing, right? To those who have never received, my question would be, have you ever spent 10 days just seeking for it? 
Have you ever spent 10 days just saying, God, do it? And as a church, have we ever spent 10 days where we said, Lord, fill us, not me, us embracing the community, embracing all of us, that, that what one of us wants, we all want. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. I would say this is, this is a fast of great opportunity. Others have been filled, but like Peter and John and the rest of the church in Acts 4, you need to be refilled. You say, why? Because we leak. We're like that slow leak in your tire on your car. You have to keep airing it up. You got to put a little more in to keep it moving forward. And when the Spirit of God is poured out on people, they will be bold enough to share Christ with everyone everywhere they go. I mean, Acts 8, 4, we're going to see this. The church is scattered due to persecution. And it says, and they proclaimed the word of God everywhere they went. And then it gives us an example of a lay person by the name of Philip and how he did it. And not only did they proclaim the word of God everywhere they went, but when we follow Philip along, we see he has the power to pray for people, the power to heal people in the name of Jesus. All of that is a direct answer to the prayer in Acts 4. Number two, power displayed. This is amazing. Watch this. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. You say, what's this Solomon's colonnade? Well, here's a picture of the temple. And so this is the temple at the time of Jesus. This whole plaza is 15 football fields in size. It's massive. All of this portico all the way around is Solomon's colonnade. So they could walk along there and teach or people could gather. And you can imagine if it's 15 football fields, there's a lot of space and you would have the acoustics of the stone, almost like an amphitheater to be able to speak on. So this is where where they were meeting. They were meeting on this plaza. They were teaching the people. Look at verse 15 of Acts 5. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. I want you to go back and read verse 15 again. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. The sick were being lined up in the streets. Can you imagine it? People asking, what way does Peter take when he goes to the temple to pray? What street does he go to? Where, where does he make the right turn or the left turn? How does he go? Well, you know, he usually goes, well then let's get, let's get, let's get our aunt there. Let's get, let's get our grandpa there. Let's get our son there. Let's get our daughter there waiting for him. And as Peter goes by, his shadow falls over them and they're instantly healed. Can you imagine if that happened today? When God moves, unique things happen. Acts 5 is documenting for us a unique move of God. It is a season when God is moving in an extraordinary way. You say, can that happen today? 
Well, we do know in modern history that it has happened. In 1906, from 1906 to 1909, a revival took place in Southern California in the greater Los Angeles area called the Azusa Street Revival. There are many lessons we could learn by reading about that, and it's a fascinating thing to read about what happened there and to read eyewitness accounts and they match up in the stories that they tell. But there are two lessons from the Azusa revival that help us to understand what we're reading in Acts 5. The first one is this, when God moves, supernatural activity increases. I'm just telling you for 30 years, I've watched the church and I cannot think of a six or seven month period in the life of the church where we've had 230 people healed. And that's a conservative count. That's not including anything that's happened in any of our youth meetings where God has touched people repeatedly. But when God is stirring in a place, and this is why I'm telling you this, one of the things that grieves the heart of God is when he visits a place and people don't recognize it. Jesus said to Jerusalem, if you, only you, had recognized the time of your visitation. Something lost when people don't recognize. In the Old Testament, you read about the men of Issachar around the time of David being anointed king, and it says they understood the times and knew what Israel should do. There's something about knowing the times, the stirring, the moving of the spirit. It's a unique time. And when God moves, Supernatural activity increases. Amen. Acts 3, you have one person healed. Acts 5, you've got all kinds of healings going on. At Azusa Street, it started slow and built. William Seymour goes to Azusa Street. He's preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Ironically, he has not yet been filled himself. He's preaching about the prayer language. He's never received it. He prays for people to receive it, and they do. He still hasn't received it, but knows it's true. They pray, they fast. People start to receive. Eventually, he receives until finally there's an increasing momentum, so much so that what happens is at the height of the revival, as people are walking to the revival, they receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit out on the street. People mocking across the way are struck by the power of God and are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's very interesting. The miracles, fewer at the start, became not only more frequent, but became more dramatic. In one instance, one man came to the meeting to be prayed for because he had a wooden leg and it was getting gangrene in, his, in the stump of his leg where it attached to the wooden leg. William Seymour looked at the man and said, it will be impossible for God to give you a new leg as long as you're wearing your old leg, take it off, your wooden leg, take it off. The man had only expected to have the gangrene healed. Seymour laid his hands on the man and proclaimed, 
let thy name be glorified. In the name of Jesus, I command this leg to grow. The gangrene is gone. You are healed in Jesus' name. Instantly, the man's leg began to grow. He sat and watched the formation of his leg and his foot. And it didn't happen just instantly. It happened over a period of several minutes. And then when he went to stand up, he was trying to learn to walk. But in a matter of another few minutes, he was running around the room. The testimonies I'm telling you are several eyewitnesses recount these things. On another occasion, he prayed for a man who had lost his arm at a factory. And he asked the man, do you have a family? He said, yes. He said, are you able to support them? The man said, not like I used to be able to. I can't get work because I only have one arm. Seymour said, that will never do. Said in the name of Jesus, arm be restored. And immediately an arm started forming. It took about two hours before the healing was complete. Uh, The final part was just the fingernails coming in. One teacher of 35 students who were deaf brought them to the meeting, believing that he would kind of make fun. He brought them there and he said to one of the people, because a lot of the people that were healed at Azusa were healed by just people in the congregation. When the Spirit of God is poured out, everybody gets to play. It's not one person, it's everybody. The man who would go about three nights a week to Azusa and had prayed for some people who were deaf and had seen them healed, brought the group together. He was talking to them. The teacher was laughing, saying, they can't understand you. He said, you don't believe, so would you please go over there? In other words, go sit on the naughty chair. He instructed them to all grab hands. He leaned over to the first one and whispered in his ear, you deaf and dumb spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of him. Instantly, the man began to talk and could hear. They held hands and one at a time, each of them were healed. I'm just, I mean, there's many things I could tell you. I'm just simply saying that when God is moving, unusual things happen. On one occasion, William Seymour pointed at a dozen people who were unable to walk. They'd been brought in. They were all older. They were all incapable of walking. He pointed at them and he said, every one of you in this section within a few minutes is going to be up and walking in Jesus' name turned and continued on with the service. And over the next 10 to 20 minutes, all of them got up and walked in the name of Jesus and began to run around. I mean, it was, it was chaos. Azusa didn't start that way, but it became that way as more and more people were filled with the Spirit. A second thing I want you to notice. Now, listen, I'm not, 
I'm not saying this is Azusa, so don't anybody say, well, John thinks he's got Azusa. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we can learn from moves of God. I will say this. When you study the Azusa Street Revival, there were several prophecies that all said the same thing. The prophecy was this. In about 100 years, there will be another move of God like Azusa, only this time it won't be in one place. It will happen in several different places. That prophecy was repeatedly given by different people who didn't know about it from other people. The second principle is this, when God moves, he'll do wonders that cause the world to take notice. You say, what are wonders? Well, I think the simple explanation is they're things that make you wonder. You're like, what? what? What's happening? Why is that happening? I would suggest to you this, that their wonders are tangible demonstrations of God's presence physical manifestations of the presence of God in a place. At Azusa Street, there were times, and it didn't happen every time, and it didn't happen the same every time. Sometimes it didn't happen at all. God was still moving. So you have to be careful that you don't evaluate whether God is even there based on a manifestation. And yet there are times when God delights in making his presence known in a visible way. There was repeatedly at Azusa a mist that at times would be a foot high, just covering the ground. They tried to move it with fans and were unable to move it. But it was just there. You couldn't, you couldn't, if you tried to, some people said they would try to kind of kick it, see what it would do. It was just there. Sometimes the mist was over their heads. Another manifestation of the power of God, and any time the mist was there, incidentally, there were greater miracles that happened. Another manifestation, which I've shared with you before, and which is recorded in the, in the Los Angeles paper. Several times the fire department was called because they thought the building was on fire, because there were flames coming up out of the building. Not only were there flames coming up out of the building, but several of the people who were there said there were flames that came down from the sky that met the flames coming up out of the building so that the flames were about a length of 50 feet. Whenever that happened, they said extraordinary things happened more frequently. I'm not saying any or all of those things would happen here. It'd be great if it did. I mean, can you imagine? I'm simply saying that when God moves, there are unique things that happen that you, you have no explanation for other than God has shown, has decided to show himself in a visible, a tangible way. It's real. It's true. The place shook and acts. A roar was heard, a rushing wind, and a roar, I believe, that filled the whole city. People in the city knew what was happening. I'm just simply saying, when signs and wonders are there, the presence of God is there, he chooses to reveal himself in a variety of ways. Number three. So we have a prayer that's answered. We have a power that's displayed. Why is that happening? What's the purpose? Purpose fulfilled. 
Why did they so badly want God to stretch out his hands and do wonders and heal? Maybe you haven't thought about it before, but here's what I find very interesting. No other generation since had more actual proof of the resurrection than that generation. There were at least 500 people living in Jerusalem who were eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They had some of the greatest preaching the world has ever known, and Peter and Stephan and Apollos and Paul. So why did they need miracles? I mean, there are some here today potentially, and you're thinking, why all this talk about signs and wonders and healing? Luke, the same one who wrote, the same person who wrote the Gospel of Luke, wrote the book of Acts. They're volume one, volume two, a companion set, if you will. And he wants us to see the connection between miracles and healing and people coming to know Jesus. I mean, look at it in Acts chapter five. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. Verse 13, it says, not many people joined them. On the one hand, they were afraid because remember Ananias and Sapphira? The, the word on the street was, you lie to Peter, it's not going to go well for you. Be your funeral. But even with that, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Signs and wonders bring people to the Lord. I mean, you think last, last Sunday you saw that. You saw all the testimonies about what God is doing in people's lives and the healings. And we have 71 people get saved on a vision Sunday. It has that effect. When you read the book of Acts, here's what you find. 17 times a miracle results in people coming to know Jesus. Let me give you three of them. Acts chapter eight, verse five. The church is scattered due to persecution. Philip, who's just a person in the church, he's a, a deacon in the church, went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, Evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. When they saw the miracles, they listened to what he said, and they received Christ. You go to Acts chapter 9, later in the chapter, Peter sent them all. So there's a lady named Tabitha or Dorcas, and she is a widow. She is loved by people. She does a lot for people. Uh, she dies. They send for Peter and say, hey, you know, we need him to... to Raise her from the dead. Peter sent them all out. He got down on his knees and he prayed. You say, well, there he prayed. Well, sure. If you're going to have to raise somebody from the dead, you're going to want to talk to God about that a little bit, right? <laughs> but then turning toward the dead woman, he didn't pray. He commanded in the name of Jesus. Tabitha, get up opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand, helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and widows and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa and many people believed in the Lord. Somebody's raised from the dead, a lot of people get saved. That'll, that'll result in a lot of salvations, right? Listen, if we wanna lead people to Jesus, 
the way the early church led people to Jesus, then signs and wonders have to be a part of the equation. It's interesting. Some of the most dynamic preachers of the gospel who have seen thousands come to Christ have recognized when signs and wonders are absent, the results are less than they could be or should be. I was really interested to find John Piper, who, if you're Bethlehem Baptist Church, that John Piper writes extensively about the importance of signs and wonders in contemporary ministry and laments its absence. I don't know what your background is. You could be Baptist and say, well, I didn't think. Listen, it's not about people's background. It's what the Bible says. David Martin Lloyd-Jones, who is one of the greatest preachers of the 20th century and someone who saw a substantial number of people come to Christ, toward the end of his ministry became increasingly disillusioned with business as usual. He wrote this, it is perfectly clear that in the New Testament times, the gospel was authenticated in this way by signs, wonders, and miracles of various characters and descriptions. Was it only meant to be true of the early church? The scriptures never anywhere say that these things were only temporary, never. There is no such, such statement anywhere. We can produce a number of converts, thank God for that. And that goes on regularly in evangelical churches every Sunday, but the need today is much too great for that. The need today is for an authentication of God, of the supernatural, of the spiritual, of the eternal. And this can only be answered by God graciously hearing our cry and shedding forth again his spirit upon us and filling us as he kept filling the early church. What is needed is some mighty demonstration of the power of God, some enactment of the Almighty that will compel people to pay attention and to look and to listen. That is why I'm urging you to pray for this. When God acts, he can do more in a minute than man with his organizing can do in 50 years. That's well said. I'm simply saying, what have you seen? What have you heard? What have you read in the Bible? What are we seeing? The purpose of signs and wonders, the purpose of healing, is to get the attention of the world. The purpose of what God is doing here in this place is to build your faith, to cause you to hunger for something more than the power you currently possess, to hunger for the boldness to tell people about Jesus, to hunger for the power that can lay hands on the sick and see them healed. If what we're seeing God do stays in this building, it will die in this building. So it's never meant just to be contained here. Praise God it happens here, but it's designed to be carried to Oklahoma. 
to have the boldness of faith to lay hands twice on somebody and believe God's going to heal them. What we're seeing here is designed to change you, to cause you to hunger for more of God in your life and more of his working and more of his power and and a demonstration of his power through you in the lives of others that they might come to know Christ. If God heals you, share your testimony and use it as a means of leading others to Jesus. And if you pray for someone and they don't know Jesus, then make sure you lead them to Jesus Christ. We need signs and wonders because we serve a God who heals. We serve a God of miracles. Lloyd-Jones said it, nothing in the Bible, you won't find it anywhere that it's stopped. If it's stopped, it's because we become too reliant on ourselves and too comfortable in going through the motions, not because God does not desire to do it. We need signs, we need wonders, we need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We need God to touch us. And you know what's awesome? He is a God who does that. He is a God who does that. He's a God who's doing it, right? Every day, every day. This morning, I get up, there's an email of testimonies. I showed you one of them, the girl from Oklahoma. I can tell you testimony every day that people are healed. Testimonies every day that you'd be like, what in the world, get out of town. We told you some of them last week. I'm just telling you, this is a season where God is moving. This is a season where God is demonstrating his power because God wants you to believe he's real. This is a day of revival. This is a day where God is breathing on this place. Not only this place. I believe there's other places, but I've, I've got so much to say grace over here. I, I don't get around a lot. So, But I'm telling you, he's breathing in this place. He's doing something here. And he wants to do something here this morning, right? I don't know what you need him to do. I just know he's here. And he's a God who's going to come down and he's going to touch and he's going to heal and he's going to fill people and he's going to do the supernatural. (laughs) Heavenly Father, I know you're in this place. Lord, you love your people. And Lord, you delight to show yourself powerful. You just do. It's who you are. And so, God, I thank you this morning that I have the opportunity to preach on the book of Acts and do it in a season in the life of the church where we're seeing things that many would have desired to see but never did or never have. But God, something is happening in this place. And Lord, we just open our hearts and we say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Fall on us. Move in this place. Jesus, by your stripes, we're healed. And so we say heal in this place.
Lord, save people in this place. But God, right now, do a work, we ask. Across every campus, online, when we talk about this place, we're one church in many locations. So wherever you're at today, whatever campus or online or right here, the Lord is here. If you need healing, I'd like you to stand up. If you need healing, just stand up where you're at. Okay. You need healing, you stand up, okay? It's awesome. Okay. We're going to sing a song here, but what I'd like you to do is I'd like you now, as you're standing, I need you, if you can, to raise your hand because we're going to have people stand around you and pray for you. So if you see somebody near you, would you look around? Let's get people praying for everybody. I don't want anybody with a raised hand. We don't want anybody with a raised hand not to be prayed for. So hold your hand up high so we can see it. So we've got people, we've got people here that need to be prayed for. You say, I've never done this before. Listen, no experience is necessary. We're in the presence of the Lord. What I want you to do is I want you to find out what they need so, and you don't, if you're telling the need, don't take a long time. Don't, don't explain all the doctor's visits. Just say, I need this to be healed. Then what I want you to do before you, at some point, as you're praying for them, I want you by faith to command their healing to, in the name of Jesus, be healed, to make that bold faith statement. So with the rest of you, if you're not praying with somebody, would you stretch out your hand toward these who are praying? And let's, let's just believe God's gonna do it right now in the name of Jesus. I'll pray in just a moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your power and your presence that's in this place. I thank you, Lord, for the, the many, many stories that are real stories, that are true accounts of your healing power in the lives of people. That Jesus, you paid for our healing on the cross. Your word says, by his stripes, we were healed. And so Lord, today, may your healing power flow across this, every single auditorium, every campus, online, Lord, I pray that, Father, as people reach out to you, miracles, mighty miracles, I pray cancers would be gone in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that in the name of Jesus, bulging discs would be healed in the name of Jesus. I pray for that one whose lung is damaged in the name of Jesus. Be healed. Lord, we thank you. You're a God who heals. We thank you that there's nothing too difficult for you. We thank you for your healing power in this place. Lord, there's somebody today with hammer toes. Heal them right now in the name of Jesus.
Oh Lord, let your healing power flow. Lord, in a thousand different ways. Heal your people, heal your people, heal your people. This is a house of healing. Our hearts are full of faith. You have our full attention. And you have the final say. the house of miracles if you were prayed for what I want you to do right now I want you to lift your hands I just want you to say Jesus I receive my healing I receive my healing in faith just say I receive it God I believe you've touched me I accept it I believe it to be so we saw last week some people get healed two hours later some people get healed that night some people the next day you might be like that person who wasn't sure they were healed until they were, but right now, would you receive it, Lord? We receive the work that you're doing in this place. We believe you're healing people right now at every campus. You're healing people at online. You're healing people right now. Lord, I pray you'd sweep through this place. You're touching people. Lord, you're setting people free from headaches, debilitating headaches in Jesus' name. Lord, heal. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. You are working in this place. You're doing something very powerful, very unique. At Joplin, you're touching people right now in the name of Jesus. Here at the West Campus, you're touching people. At the North Campus, at the South Campus, Lord, you're doing a mighty, mighty work online. Come on, let's just receive it. Let's just worship him. This is a house of miracles. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a 
Lord, we thank you for your presence. Would you just worship the Lord right now? Just thank him. Thank you, Lord. Somebody, either in this room or watching online or at one of the other campuses, you've been struggling with deep depression. You're ready to take your life, and God wants to heal you right now. If you just raise your hand, he'll touch you and heal you. Heavenly Father, you know who that is. You know where they're at. And Lord, they're just, they're desperate. But today, you see them. You know exactly what's going on in their life. And God, you're the God who is able to completely deliver, completely deliver. God, as they reach out to you right now, may your presence wash over them and may it just be like water washing away the depression. Lord, the despair, the hopelessness. Lord, every thought of destructive thought, we come against it in the name of Jesus. We rebuke this, this foul spirit that has caused this. Set them free in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let me just say this, and I'm talking to everybody watching online, every campus. Be ashamed to be in the presence of the Lord like this and to know he's real, he's moving, and not have a relationship with him. You know, we're talking about the power of God working through your life and in your life in a way that's absolutely supernatural. And that starts, that happens when we give our life to Jesus we make a decision to follow him. I wanna ask you right now across all of our campuses here in this room, have you given your life to Christ? Is there a moment where you put your faith in him and you became a different person? Because if not, you're not a Christian, not in the way that will get you to heaven when you die. I was at a funeral yesterday for a woman who a year ago made a decision to give her heart to Christ, was baptized. And what a joy for that entire family to know they know where she is right now. They know she's in heaven. But if she hadn't done that, she didn't have any idea a year ago that she would die within the year. She had no idea. You see, that's, that's, None of us know for sure. I'm not saying that to scare anybody. I'm saying it because it's true. But there's a power of God that's in this place and that power that you feel in this place can work in your life and absolutely change your life from the inside out. Can make you a new person, can give you a knowledge of him. You know, the Bible says this, I hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into the mind of man what God has prepared for those who love him. That's talking to people who don't know Jesus. It's saying you can't imagine what he would do for you. Your eye hasn't seen what he can do. Your ear hasn't heard. No preacher can tell all that Jesus can do for you. Your mind, you can't begin to imagine what it's going to be like to walk with Jesus. You can't, you can't begin to fathom it. 
But in the minute that you open your heart to him, all of those things begin to become a reality in your life as he changes you from the inside out, as you become a brand new person from the inside out. Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, everything's new. Has there been a moment where you met Jesus and you became a new person? If not, then you're not a Christian in the way that would get you to heaven when you die or would allow you to experience the presence of God while you live. Here's the tragedy. Some people will sit in a room filled with God's presence and you could have that presence in you as you leave or you just leave and you're without that. And God loves you so much, he brought you here today to hear the message, to sense his presence, to speak to your heart of his reality, of his truth, of who he is and what he can do in your life. There's some of you and you came into this room and you're not right with God, you know you're not. You would say, John, a long time ago, I gave my heart to Christ, but you haven't been walking with him. You've not been living for him. And as you've been sitting in here, you've been very convicted because you're sensing the presence of the Lord and a part of you is longing to be right with God like you once were. And if that's your situation, you can leave here different than you came in Jesus' name if you make a decision. If you'll decide to rededicate your life to Christ. Right now, I'd like every head bowed at all of our campuses, every head bowed. You're watching online. If you want to give your heart to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to give the hand emoji so our pastors can pray with you and communicate with you. But if you're here, at, at whatever campus you're at, right now, this is a spiritual decision to recommit your life to Christ, to rededicate your life to Him. So maybe you've never given your heart to Christ. Right now is a chance to know him in a, in a way you never imagined possible. Because knowing about him is not the same as knowing him. And then there's some, and you would say, you know, John, I'm away from him. Today, you can make a decision to rededicate your heart. And in this moment, be powerfully, powerfully reconnected to Christ. You leave different than you came for sure. But all of those things happen, not accidentally, not incidentally. It's not like, oh, I didn't know how that happened. No, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You have to call. You have to make the decision. You have to make the choice. You have to, you have to say, I'm in. And right now, this is a moment of spiritual decision in the presence of God for people to say, I'm in, I'm on, I want that. I wanna leave different than I came. I wanna leave with the presence of God on my life, the power of God on my life, walking with God like I never have before. I wanna leave knowing Jesus like I never did before, giving my heart to him. So if you'd like to give your heart to Jesus, open your heart to him. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open it, I'll come in but you have to open the door. If you'd say, John, I'm ready to open the door or John, I'm ready to rededicate my life. Either one of those is where you're at. I'm asking you to, to do something, a faith action that I think makes a difference. I'm asking you right where you're at to lift your hand and say, John, pray for me. I wanna do that. You're saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you several hands going up. Thank you. Praise God. God sees it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So awesome. So awesome. Tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to have at every campus, I want the lead team to come down, the pastoral staff to come down. And I, I want to do something that I think is really, really critical. I just, I know it is from 30 years of doing this. I can tell you this makes a difference. 
In a moment, the team's gonna lead out in a song of response. I'm gonna ask you to do something. I'm gonna ask you to be courageous and to say, you know what, I'm serious about this. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna ask you to take some steps, come down front. We wanna pray with you and give you a Bible. You say, why do I need to do that? You know what, there's something about when we put feet to our faith, when we act physically on what we've decided spiritually, it changes us. Our physical life, our spiritual life, so closely connected that the, what I do physically affects me spiritually, what I do spiritually affects me physically. It's that interlinked. I, I've had more people than I can count say, you know what, I raised my hand. And then when I started coming forward, something happened in me. I could feel God working in me as I came forward. Why? Because what I do physically affects me spiritually. I've never had the person yet. I say it every week, because if there's that person out there, I, I would be interested to meet them, but I've never had the person yet who's ever said, you know what, I raised my hand, but then I didn't go forward and God changed my life. I just decided to leave. Listen, I've never had the person who said, I left and God changed my life. I've had thousands who've said, I came forward and God changed my life. So at every campus, you may have friends with your family, ask them to come. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, you wish you had. You come, but would you come right now? We're gonna cheer you on. Just be bold. Say, I'm in, I'm on, I'm doing this thing. People are coming right now, you come. Watch what God will do. You're in the presence of the Lord. He's gonna transform your life. So exciting. People are coming right now. You just step out and come. This will be the day that changes everything in your life. Folks are coming right now. You come. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know you're not right with God. You come. Just step out and come. Watch what he'll do. Come on, let's cheer him on. This is big. People are still coming. You step out and come. It's a great moment. Change your life, change your marriage, change your family. Wow. I'm gonna pray with those who've come forward. Would you join me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for those who've come forward. You love them so much. Your love for us is greater than any of us can imagine. And Lord, I pray in this moment, they would experience your great love for them. God, your power that washes us white as snow, your peace that covers our heart and mind, your presence that lets us know we're never alone. Lord, may all of that and more be theirs in this moment. And God, I pray in the days to come, they would sense your hand upon them, your, your presence with them in ways they never imagined possible. Lord, may they see your work. Father, we thank you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.